Hi, welcome to Mark's Motivational Podcast this Sunday evening. I really hope you enjoyed this, this interview with another author, um, Carol Van, Van Dan Hende, Hende. Sorry, Carol Van Dan Hende. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, so she was a really good interview. I really um, enjoyed um, talking to her tonight. And I wish her all the best um, with her with her books um, she, she's written. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And stay tuned till, um, till next time to Tuesday. We're going to get a solo episode on. Okay, take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, and welcome to Mark's Motivational Podcast on this Sunday evening. Tonight, I'm delighted to be uh, joined by another guest, um, Carl Van Den Hende. Yeah, it's a really good website. Um, you can check her out. It's it's really good, and she's a publisher of a of a great book. So I'm del- I'm really looking forward to talking to Carol tonight. So um, thanks a million for joining me tonight, Carol, on the podcast. Oh, it's great to be with you. It's late by you, so thanks for making time. Oh no, that, that's great. No, it's great. Yeah, no, thanks very much. And um, so how like probably starting off at the beginning. Um, w- what's the name of your book that you've published? Yeah, so Mark, I'm so thrilled to share with your listeners tonight that um, I'm here to talk about Goodbye Orchid. It's actually award-winning Goodbye Orchid, and um, it's been a thrill to be on this journey of both writing it and then taking it to publication, because I truly believe the work um, can do good in the world, and it motivates me absolutely both to write it and to um, have Goodbye Orchid published. Uh, How long ago did you write it, Carol? You know what, when we talk about the journey of Goodbye Orchid, we have to go back seven years. And in fact, um, I started writing it really as a place of solace for myself. I turned to writing as a place of, you know, kind of pouring my heart out onto the page. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was quite inspired by seeing stories of combat wounded veterans in the news. And that's really where the spark of the idea for Goodbye Orchid came from. Um, And then in those seven years, really, I'd say, it was a good solid year of writing, a good solid year of editing. And then from that point, it was really finding um, the right publisher. And then this last year has been all about um, commercialization, you know, bringing yeah. Goodbye Orchid out and, and finding readers who are really resonating with the story. Yeah, I'm delighted that's gone so doing so well for you. That's brilliant, Carol. Like, so that, that's so well done with that. And um, so like, where can people buy it is, is available on Amazon. Absolutely. So Goodbye Orchid is available on Amazon, on um, book, you know, uh, actually it's escaping me. Bookshop is a place to buy it through independent booksellers. Um, It's available pretty much anywhere you shop for books online. Mm -hmm. Um, It's available as a paperback, as a hardcover. Um, Mm -hmm. The ebook is actually, the publisher is putting the ebook on sale this coming weekend for Galentine's or Valentine's Day, um, February 13th is mm-hmm. the key date um, to look for Goodbye Orchid for less than a dollar on um, Amazon as the ebook. So it's quite a bargain uh, next weekend. Um, so people definitely should look for that then. Um, and it's also available on Audible as an audiobook, which was another great experience. So this is my mm-hmm. first published novel and the audiobook version of Goodbye Orchid is my first experience narrating as well, which I completely um, enjoyed. Also, and I learned so much, and I have incredible respect for people who are, who narrate audiobooks. Yeah, I'd say it's a very tough enough pro- process to do that. Is it like uh, for an audiobook? Is it Carol? I'd say it's it's challenging enough to get used to doing that. I'd say is it? It's true, and I I took it quite seriously because I wanted um, to be able to do justice to the work. And what mm. I learned is, you know, just the incredible craft that audiobook narrators put into their work. 
the amount that they um, need to think about just the characterization of the different um, people in the book. The way that you breathe makes a difference. Um, there are breathing exercises and vocal exercises you can do to warm up before actually recording. And then there's all the technical aspects as well. But for sure, the performance aspects, I think, um, is what had me so incredibly you know, filled with respect for people who narrate audiobooks. It's a lot of work, but it's also incredibly joyous. Mm. It, um, it made me very close to the material. It gave me a chance to relive the entire story. Brilliant. And I absolutely loved that experience of producing the audiobook. That sounds brilliant. That sounds really, really good, Carol. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with me, with us tonight. Um, so, so could you maybe talk a little bit about the book? Um, this, like, maybe just give a, give us a little, um, little taster, so to speak, <laughs> for people who are listening. Thanks, Carol. Yeah, let me tell you about Goodbye Orchid, in which, um, right in chapter one, you will meet Phoenix um, Walker and Orchid Page, the main characters. And what you'll find when you meet them is that Phoenix Walker has spent his entire life striving for perfection. And okay. that perfectionism may actually trip him up in the course of the story, as if you uh, read Goodbye Orchid, you'll find out. He's had a very successful life, success in school and in work. And he's actually at the precipice of falling in love, falling in love with half Asian Orchid Page. And when we meet them in chapter one, Orchid has been striving herself. Um, she's had a much harder upbringing. She's had you know, loss of her parents early in life. She's um, really a self-made person. And so she's been striving for this opportunity to go on an international business assignment. And so when they, we meet them at the airport, Phoenix is actually about to say goodbye to Orchid, thinking that she's leaving for six weeks on this business trip hmm. and that she'll be back. In fact, the first line of the book is Phoenix never believed today was goodbye because he thinks it's only temporary and they're gonna come back together and um, that their relationship is deepening into something much more than the professional relationship that it started out being. Hmm. But what happens is that a, a traumatic accident befalls Phoenix while Orchid is away. And so um, while she's away, he, she doesn't know what's happened. And when he wakes in the hospital and finds that he's been forever changed by the accident, um, he's longing for Orchid and thinking about her. But he also knows that because she had lost her parents early, that she had witnessed trauma as a child, that she's quite sensitive to images of trauma. And mm -hmm. therefore, in order to protect her and to love her, he asks himself the hardest question he's ever faced in his life, which is whether to love her, he needs to leave her. And that's the central tension of the story. Some reviewers um, call it a modern day affair to remember. Readers okay. tell me to bring tissues when reading, <laughs> both heartwarming and heart-wrenching Goodbye Orchid. Mm -hmm. And um, people are really touched by the story. And the reason I say it's inspired by combat wounded veterans, even though the characters aren't military characters themselves, is because there are, you know, when you think about the men and women who um, go to war for us, who, you know, are our soldiers and, and who protect us, they train at the height of their game, you know, when they, um, when they serve. And then when they're injured, they fall so far. And honestly, mm -hmm. what I was inspired by when I started writing Goodbye Orchid was the strength and resilience combat wounded veterans demonstrate to get back to good and it's that same journey that phoenix takes when he's when he falls from being so successful um, to having suffered these really traumatic injuries and then finding his way back and finding that no matter what he is whole 
that journey, the journey of um, that he goes through of anger and denial and bargaining and ultimately acceptance is one that mirrors that journey of combat wounded veterans. And I've been incredibly um, heartened by the feedback that I've gotten from combat wounded veterans who have read and loved Goodbye Orchid. Well, that's brilliant like to, to actually, um, for them to get, um, to like it so much, that must be a brilliant thing because you've, you've got inspiration from them. So that, that sounds really good. And I absolutely love your background there, Carol, like um, with your book, that, that's really, really good. <laughs> like um, that, that looks really well. That's very yeah. good. For those how, who can't, how, um, how did you do that? A matter of interest. Sorry, how did you? How yeah. did you? That's really, really good. It's a great question. I mean, so there's a story behind the design of the book cover yeah. for Goodbye Orchid. And for those yeah. who are listening and aren't able to see, you know, you're welcome to go on my website and you'll see yeah. it on carolvandenhenda.com. And what you'll see is the cover of Goodbye Orchid features um, not just regular orchids, but at, uh, they're actually shattered. These are shattered orchids. And those shattered orchids are meant to represent the emotional cover, it has this feeling of dynamism. And because the, that image of shattered orchids is so central to the, to the theme of the story, we actually put it into the pages of the book too. So if you had a physical copy of, of Goodbye Orchid, what you would find is the bottom right corner of every page has a little image of orchids. And when you flip through the pages, the orchids will appear to shatter until you wow. get to the darkest point of the story. And then they'll come back together until you get to the emotionally satisfying ending. There's actually a little video of this on my YouTube channel. So feel free to um, Google Carol Vandenhenda on YouTube and you'll see there's a, um, there's a short little clip where you can see how the orchids shatter even on the interior of the book. That sounds brilliant. That sounds really, really good. Like that's so clever. Like the, I can actually see the see the picture there. I can get exactly what you're saying. That that's amazing. Well done. That's really, really good. Because um, what I'll be doing doing as well is I'll probably post this on YouTube and Facebook for people to see as well. So as well as hearing the experience, they'll be able to see it as well. So <laughs> once you're happy enough with that, wonderful. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And the designers had so much fun with this. They even animated the cover. Wow. So there are gifts where you can see the shattering of the orchids on the cover as, um, as a gif. Mm, that's brilliant. Yeah, really good. Um, so, um, Carol, like what motivated you to start writing this book? Um, was it something that like, I know you, you kind of answered that in a little bit of a way, like, but um, was there one particular thing that got, got you motivated to start, Carol? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'll answer in two ways. One is I'll say that I've always loved first reading and then writing, even as a kid, you know, yeah. as a child, as a teenager, as, as an adult, maybe a little less so once I started getting busy with work and life and um, probably wasn't writing as much as I was when I was younger. But I've always loved the written word. I've loved literature and I have loved reading and writing. What sparked this particular story, what sparked me to write Goodbye Orchid, was a period of difficulty in our own personal lives. And so I've spent a career where I've worked in digital technologies and marketing and now strategy for um, a major food company, Mars Incorporated. And one of my assignments was I was in China with Mars for two years. So my mm -hmm. husband, my twins, and I had all moved to Beijing. Mm -hmm. During that time, while we had really an incredible experience. We also had some difficulties. One of our twins was not settling well into mm -hmm. China. And okay. so we actually decided to come back to the US after just the two year assignment and not extend the assignment. 
And it was during that period of, you know, really upheaval in our lives, moving from a different country back home, back to the U.S., um, having one of my boys, they were quite little, they were nine years old at that time, not mm -hmm. really doing well and having a lot of difficulty in school. And so it was honestly just a period of um, immense, you know, emotional upheaval in our lives. Yeah. And at that time, it, writing, um, journaling had always been a part of my practice anyway, just for mm -hmm. myself. But it seemed to me this world of fiction in which you could craft, you know, whatever you wanted and build whatever characters you wanted, they could go anywhere and anything could happen, became a place of really great, um, you know, kind of imagination and a place of, you know, beauty and escape and intrigue. And I loved going to that place. And it just gave me solace, as I had mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And I think also at the same time, what was happening in my career was I was moving from being a marketer, where I was responsible for everything from advertising and promotions and packaging and design and lots of creativity in my job itself. I was moving into being um, a strategist or an insights professional. Mm -hmm. And although I love that work, it doesn't have the straight you know, creativity that being a marketer had. And so yeah. I think also at that time, I was looking for an outlet or a source for my creativity to, to flow into. Mm. And so writing became that place for me. Well, that's a great story. Yeah, because um, because I understand what you're saying, like with all the turmoil having to move back. Like, did you start the story when you were living in China or when you came back to, to the States, um, Carol? Yeah, you know, it was after I'd come back. And it was funny because I had always had in my mind that I would write at some point in my life. I always thought, you know, it'd be the type of thing I'd do when I had more time or when I retired or mm. and something about, I don't know, being in that moment of turmoil, just it struck me that there's really no reason to wait mm. for anything that's meaningful in our lives. Yeah. There really is no reason to not just start mm. today, right now. Yeah. And that's what I did. And it, then it, it formed into um, this beautiful story. Yeah, no, well done, because you're absolutely right. Like, because um, people kind of put things off till tomorrow. I'll do this when, when next year, when I'm, when things are less busy. I'll do, do this when I retire. I'll do, you know, but, um, but well done. Just, you have to kind of just put yourself there and just, just start. Like, don't you? Like, because um, it'll never be a right time for anything, you know. So, so well done for, for starting, you know. And thanks very much for, for giving that insight. That's, that's amazing. And um, so did you have a kind of a structure you used um, when you were writing, Carol? Was there kind of a, a structure you used for writing this story? So this being my first novel, I would say I was much more pantsing it than plotting mm. it. Okay. And so I had a sense, I, I got to know my characters by writing. I wrote a mm. lot of backstory that did not end up in the finished um, product itself. I, you know, did a lot of character studies and really delved into what would their, be, their mindset be? What would their motivation be? What would the conflicts be? How would they deal with those conflicts? And so um, it was really experiencing it in order to craft it. I think that now that I've had that experience, um, I have a bit more appreciation for having enough structure so that I know what the, you know, certainly the overarching arc of the story and the main points of the story. So now that I'm working on the next book, I have uh, much more of a sense of that mm -hmm. than, the, than the first one in which um, it was much more of a pantsed exploration. <laughs> 
Yeah. You're a writer right. as well, right, Mark? Yeah, I am. I uh, published my first book there um, just just um, about a month ago. Uh, well, it got the, the paperback um, there back in January. So it's great to have a physical book there with your name. And it's like, great, like, you know, <laughs> but um, I, I self-published it through Amazon, um, which which is a really, really good way for first-time writers to actually do that. Like anybody's listening, I, I can't recommend that enough because you know, it's very straightforward. Like they, they, they pretty much do everything for you. Like, you know, but, but like, it was that kind of tough for you when you were f- trying to find a, a publisher? Was that like an obstacle at, at the time for you, Carol? Yeah, you know, so I went two phases in terms of finding the publisher. So first um, I signed with an agent from a writer's mm-hmm. conference, which yeah. was a great experience. Um, I pitched them through an experience called the Pitch Slam, where you get 90 seconds to share your concept and you get 90 seconds of feedback and you decide in that moment whether to consider a relationship or not. And so I found my agent through Pitch Slam. And we, so the first phase was we went to the big five publishers that are based in New York. We didn't find the right home there. And I think now that I look back, we were pitching um, the story as a romance. And although it does have a love story at the center, it doesn't actually fit the um, criteria specifically of romance genre. And mm-hmm. so now the publisher I have, we've, um, re- it's really classified as contemporary fiction or mainstream fiction with romantic elements. And so that's a much more appropriate designation. And now that we've understood what the nature of it is, um, we've been able to find a publisher that really suits it well. And I think what I love about working with Kohler Books and when I signed the contract with them, um, the founder of Kohler Books, John Kohler said to me, this book is going to do good in the world and it will change lives. And when he said that, I just knew that he understood um, the messages on the pages of the book, that he believed in the, the mission and that made me feel really great about um, being with him as a publisher. Yeah, so there's big celebrations back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there have been multiple celebrations, as you must know too. I can't believe you're only a month. Yeah, well, you see, it's kind publication of publication journey. Well, you see, it's different because we're in lockdown now, so we can't really. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about it, but like, I'm gonna wait till things improve where we can, I can launch the book properly. Then, like, you know. But um, no, it's great to, to have your friends giving you feedback saying, oh, that's really good because it's a kid's story, you know. Um, it's kind of a collection of stories made for the for the children growing up through the year, or bedtime stories, you know, for getting to bed. So I kind of decided to put them all into a storybook. So I'm happy happy it's there, you know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> thanks, Carly. Yeah, but um, get, getting back to yourself, like, um, that's great the way... Um, it's funny the way, you know, when you're writing a book, you're, you're, the characters are, are kind of live with you, don't they? They're, they're, they're kind of there all the time with you. But um, isn't it fascinating the way as well that the way when, you, when you're when, at the end of writing that book, book and publishing that book where you found what niche it's in, what, like, what, what, what kind of gender. I think that's that, when you were talking about that time, that's what came to mind. You know, it's, would, would you agree with that? It's true. Actually, I think a number of authors grapple with what genre are they actually writing in because there can be elements of different things, you know, mm-hmm. and it's hard to put creativity in a really um, specific bucket at times. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are works that certainly can cross genres a bit. And um, it's both a wonder thing, wondrous thing, but it also can be a bit of a challenge, mm-hmm. therefore finding the right place to put it and therefore how do you find the readers that are going to enjoy the work but it's Mm. a wonderful thing once you do find the right the right genre and the right home 
Yeah, oh yeah, that's great. Like, well done, that's brilliant. But um, what, what I'd like you to do as well, Carol, you can send me on, I, I have the link to your website, which is, looks really, really good, like I said earlier on. It looks looks really, really professional. Well done on that. Um, but if you can send me on um, the name of your book, and obviously when you, when you publish a new book, I can add it on to the podcast as well for you. That's wonderful. I'm working on the next book, so I would love mm-hmm. to be able to share when book two is ready. Yeah. Um, it will be in 2021. I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to that. I've been into a lot of book clubs lately, and mm-hmm. um, readers are loving Goodbye Orchid and want to hear more about what happens to the characters afterwards, <clears throat> and maybe yeah. even what happens to the characters before. So that gives me a lot of heart to write about um, Phoenix yeah. and Orchid, and also Phoenix's twin brother, Caleb, and all of the other characters, their mother, Veronica, um, in subsequent books and then continue to actually do good with the book because um, a portion of profits from Goodbye Orchid is going to charity. Oh, and so I continue, and I look forward to continuing to be able to donate to places like um, Heather Abbott Foundation and USA Cares to help military veterans and their families um, through the work. So yeah, that's really exciting. Well, that's very kind of you. That's that's really kind. Like yeah, um, it is nice to give something back when like when you're like thankfully the book is doing well. I'm so happy for you that and to to be able to do that is is amazing as well. It sounds like you know by the look in your face is like <laughs> it's <laughs> that that really really um satisfies you like and makes you feel good about. It. Yeah, it feels great. And as you'd said before, there are multiple you know there are times to celebrate um the book, and I think there have been multiple points for that on in Goodbye Orchid, as I think you'll find with your book too, and especially when we get out of lockdown and you can celebrate in person. For me, it was not just, you know, for signing the contract and also publishing, but also um, when Goodbye Orchid has been awarded, that's been incredibly also very satisfying. Mm -hmm. And so the American Fiction Award, the Pinnacle Award, the Best Book Award, the Royal Dragonfly, the, um, I'm forgetting a bunch right now, audiobook reviewer, new author of the year, um, been nine awards actually in total and wow. that has been an incredible experience as well that is brilliant well done you must be that, that's really really good <laughs> yeah i feel privileged to have you on the podcast <laughs> thanks very much um, for coming on carol <laughs> yeah thanks i really enjoyed talking with you and i wish yeah. you so much luck with your book as well uh, thank you and uh, um uh, you, you've been in the inkies um you know the dublin writers group how do you find out it's really really good isn't it Oh my goodness. It's such a lovely group of writers. I absolutely adore it. So it's been a number of years since I was in Dublin for work. Actually, Mars has a program where they send um, associates to work with nonprofits. It's called the Mars Ambassador Program. And I was the Mars Ambassador for Antashka. So I worked with their environmental education unit in Dublin to help them really craft a marketing um, and, you know, kind of brand strategy to be able Mm -hmm. to get the word out about sustainability and environmental education in a broader way. Mm. I absolutely loved that experience. And while I was in Dublin working with Antashka during the day, on the weekends and at night, I had free time to explore Dublin and I was um, coming to Inkies on the weekends and loving it so much. I kept in touch, you know, through the email list over Mm -hmm. time. Um, But then once lockdown happened, now the events are virtual. And so it's really incredible. I know that there are people on Inkies there from Boston, from the US. Um, I had recommended the group to Greg Fields and now he's he's joined and he's really loving it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, such a great group. Yeah, Greg Fields. I had him on the podcast recently. He's a great writer, like he really is. Like, because the prompts are amazing that Harry gives every week. You know, I never, I never did that, dealt in that, um, experienced that stuff before, but but it's great the way you, you can kind of, 
just looking at a, a little picture and um, a little piece of writing underneath it, like the stuff that comes into, into your head, like it's, it's really, really good, isn't it? Yeah, it really hones yeah. your writing too, to have to yeah. write on the spot like that. Yeah, it does, yeah. It's pretty incredible. Some of the pieces that people put together in that mm. short period of time yeah. are really yeah. polished. <laughs> mm. Yeah, really good, because Greg, um, he, he actually done a really good one at Christmas time, because we all, we all did a Christmas story, like his was, wow, like really, really good, you know, and I actually got him to, to kind of give a rendition on the podcast, and it went down really well, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it was really good. And um, that's great. So, um, how's how's everything with COVID? With, with your family, I hope all's okay. Yeah, thanks so much for asking. We are fine. We're really fortunate that I can, you know, work remotely. That mm. our kids um, go to school sometimes physical, and then sometimes it's virtual schooling. And we're just very lucky that no one's gotten sick. That we're yeah. doing just fine. But of course, you know, we hope everybody's good out there how about you yeah. and your family yeah we're all good thank you yeah we're all good like you know like i, I shared that that as well carol like you know um my heart goes anybody that's suffering this time be it be it um sickness or it could be the other side of the coin like with financial financially as well so so hopefully um things are looking a bit more brighter now in the, in the next couple of months with the vaccine so yeah. so fingers crossed everything you get get back to the normal you know and yeah. how you how you find remote working yourself carol is um it's surprisingly better than I expected it to be. When we first started last March, I thought it was of course going to be shorter term than it has been. And Mm. I thought I'd, I, and I do, I miss um, seeing my coworkers in person, but nowadays I feel like the screen, like, I feel like I'm with you, you know, it Mm. doesn't feel like we're, even though we're in separate countries, we're in different time zones. (laughs) Um, So I've gotten so used to working in this way Mm. that I think I'm, I think we've found new ways to be productive and I think the future of work will never go back to exactly no. what we no. had before. Yeah, no, crazy because I'm the same. I work remotely as well in my job. A lot of us do. So I'm the same. Yeah, exactly. But um, it just getting back to your book, um, Carol, for a moment. Um, you know, when you were writing it, um, did you have any strategy? You know, if sometimes everybody kind of gets gets kind of hits a wall so to speak like um I don't know what you call it but um was was there a way that you kind of motivated yourself to keep going if you if you had that like you know did you have kind of some kind of strategy some people use um like um how could I say like some like a little gift to themselves or treat themselves or something <laughs> you know to, to finish in a chapter how did you how did you cope with that if you uh, Carl that's Sorry, it's a long, it's a long-winded question. Yeah, no, no, it's a good <laughs> question about the motivation. And um, I think you're right. One strategy that you were just talking about is interim goals to have mm. milestones beyond just the entire book. And I think that's smart. I initially thought you were a bit about writer's block, what we might call writer's block, when you kind of get stuck and you feel like, well, what, mm. what happens? And I'm maybe I could just give up. <laughs> There's really yeah. no one waiting for this. So why do I keep going? And there, I did have, I did learn a lot of strategies from one of the editors I learned, I worked with. Um, she had me really work on different ways to see the same material in a, with fresh eyes. And so the different ways she had me do this, if I was stuck on a particular portion or didn't know how to move forward, she would have me simply, um, for instance, I could take one scene that I'd written in Phoenix's point of view, and she'd say, turn it around, now write it in orchid's point of view and what fresh perspective might you get from writing from a different point of view so that helped Mm. so there's also kind of very tactical things which is you can take your entire document and change what font it's in 
And when you see it in a different font, it actually gives you a different feeling. Wow. Or she would have me, um, I might be, especially in the muddy, what we call the muddy middle, when you get towards mm. the middle of the novel and you're, you're not sure you've created all these obstacles and conflicts and how do you untangle it in order to get to the emotionally satisfying ending? So she would have me brainstorm and she would say, don't just give me the first idea for what could um, solve that. And not even the second and not even the third, give me 10. I want 10 different possible avenues that this scene could go in to come to resolution. And that you'll actually find, you know, as you dig deeper and deeper, you will find places that you hadn't imagined before. Yeah, that, that, that's a great strategy. That's really, really good, Carol. That sounds brilliant. I'm much to use that myself. I'm writing my next book. Thank you. <laughs> but, <laughs> You're welcome. But um, yeah, because, um, God, I was going to say something. That, um, yeah, that's really good because, like, um, do you find as well when you're writing that book, if just say, for instance, I was talking to an, another um, writer there recently who published two novels, um, and she was saying that, like, when she was writing, let's say, about a character and like she was doing something that didn't feel right about that character. That's when she could run into problems. Like it's like the characters guiding you in, in the book. Does that sound, I just found that fascinating. Like I just thought I'd ask you that Carol, cause I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Because That's I had, totally. I had all my, I had, oh, sorry. I had all my characters pre um, made up, you know, when I was re reading the kids, the stories to the kids at night. So it was just a matter of getting it all on paper. But um like, even though, like, I did have have a few kind of say, will I do, put that there or will I not? Like, it's it's funny, isn't it? Did you find that? It's true. Sometimes characters go off and they do things that are out of character. And mm. then you have to rein them back. And, yeah. and actually always try to build in more intrigue. They say that what keeps a reader reading is that, um, you know, at the end of each chapter, there's something so you know, enticing that you have to find out what happens in the next chapter mm. and that you have to do that even within the scenes of a chapter and even sentence to sentence, each sentence has to be interesting enough to lead to the next sentence. Yeah. And so it's always in that way, how do you shine and refine and improve the tension and the conflict and the intrigue and the insight? You know, ultimately, I think that's what a lot of writers do is we're bringing insight into the human condition. Mm. And so how do we weave more and more of that into the characterization, into the dialogue and into each sentence of the prose? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's, that's great, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, because that, that makes so much sense, yeah. Because um, from writing that book, I was exactly the same as you. Yeah, that's, that's really good, Carol, thank you. And maybe, yeah, listen, I really, really want to say thanks a million for coming on tonight to the podcast, Carol. I've really enjoyed this chat. But I might just ask you a couple of questions, if that's okay, um, that I ask most of the guests that come on. Just um, just a few few of your favorites, if you don't mind me um, um, yeah, asking that. Um, so, your favorite? Do you have a favorite writer or a favorite author of a book yourself? So, I mean, I love a lot of authors, and they're mm. the ones that I loved as a kid, and you know, as an adult, and ones I've read recently. Mm. I'd say some that come to mind. Um, Jojo Moy's work really inspires me, and, and I liken it a bit to. Um, Goodbye Orchid. Sometimes people have see some similarities between Me Before You and Goodbye Orchid. And so I think she's a great author to, to look at. Um, reading a lot of great works. Um, I just finished Less. I know I'm three years behind that that came out in 2017, but I just finished that uh, by Andrew Sean Greer. Amazing piece of work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and also I have a special place in my heart for John Irving because my husband and I met on a train because right. he was carrying a John Irving book that I wanted mm-hmm. to read. And that's why we started talking to each other wow. is because I wanted to see what he thought about the book. And he said that um, before he got off his next station, he said, well, if you give me your address, I'll send you a copy of the book. And that that's <laughs> how we started writing letters to each other is because of John Irving. So he yeah. always has a special place in my heart. That was a very smooth move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. That's a great story. And, and um, would you like any nonfiction books? Have you, have you read any nonfiction books yourself, Carl? Yeah, so um, for work, I certainly do. And last year, I really enjoyed reading Range because that's about the idea that um, although sometimes in society we celebrate those who have incredible depth of expertise in one thing, like an example would be Tiger Woods having played mm. golf since he was, I don't even know the age, three, seven, three really three, young. Three or something, yeah, yeah. And so what we don't sometimes celebrate but is actually really quite um, impactful in life is the people who have depth ideas. And I, I especially <laughs> um, like that because I've had careers, I've studied engineering, I've had a career as a digital technologist, I've has a, had a career as a marketer, and now I'm a strategist or insights professional. And so those things can seem so disparate, but actually the ability to see the connection points between those things is where mm-hmm. I can add a very unique, um, unique value. And so range gives credence to that idea. Mm. So of course I'm gonna love that. And then um, there are some really great memoirs. I was starting, I'm about halfway through the one um, by the founder of Nike. So that one's been really interesting. And then um, there was one by the the CEO who helped navigate Ford Motors through the 2008 crisis. And it's called an American icon, I believe. Um, and the one by the Nike founder is Phil Knight, um, shoe dog is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Those are all really great. Some, some great <laughs> recommends there. Thank you. <laughs> Cause there's a really good one. I don't know if you checked it out before. It's, um, a lady called Carol, a writer called Carol Dweck, um, mindset, mindset. mindset. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a brilliant book, well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, Absolutely. That's and I think, yeah, it's, her insight is so true that mm. it doesn't have to be within a fixed buy. No. That there is, you know, the growth mindset is helps all of us. So we don't yeah. have to feel competitive with each other. Mm. And there's more than enough to go around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah there's so much great stories in that book. Like I'd recommend to anybody to get it. Like it's one of my favorite I've read there over the last while. It's it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's so many good books out there. Mm. Actually, now yeah. that you're getting me thinking too, um, I just finished. Have you read either Una Out of Order, which I absolutely loved, really clever about time you know normally I wouldn't read a time travel book but this is so much more than that it's actually Mm. um, a woman who lives her life in different at different points so it's not in chronological order and it's really inventive and and beautifully put together and then I also just finished um, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab that Mm. is incredible beautifully written um and I, I don't want to give away too many spoilers if you haven't read it, but the premise is just uh, so imaginative and amazing. So those yeah. three of the last books I read, um, Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, Una Out of Order, and Less. 
Yeah, they, they sound brilliant. They sound really, really good. Uh, thanks for all the recommends there. That's great. <laughs> a lot of people with their pen and paper writing all this stuff down. <laughs> but I uh, know science fiction is really, really good. I, I just, for the life of me, I just, I'm reading a really good book there at the moment. Um, it's If you have a chance to check it out, Carl, he was on the podcast re- recently. Um, his name is Will Disdale. And it's it's a gr- it's an absolute brilliant book. Um, sorry, I'm going to get the name of it now. Um Sorry, sorry about this now. So it's on the tip of my tongue. I just can't think about it. If you, if you Google Will, Will Disdale, uh, his book is, it's science fiction, but it's all about time travel. When he mentioned tra- time travel, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's so clever. Like it's, it's really, really good. I'd recommend check it out. Um, yeah, I definitely will. I know there's so many good this, authors. This now- Soul World, it's called. Sorry, This Soul World, but it's S-U-L-D, not S-S-U-L-D. Yeah, S-U-L-D, this sold world. You, you won't be, I'm, I'm halfway through it and it's really, really good. I I'll definitely recommend check that. out yeah. This Sold yeah. World by Will yeah. Disdale. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah really I mean, cool. there, you're right. There's so many authors. Now that we're talking, I'm thinking um, there's a book I'm really looking forward to. Karen Tanabe is an incredible author. She writes historical fiction. The last okay. one, 100 Sons, was set in um, 1900s and about the Michelin family and the rubber plantations. I might even have the timing wrong. I can't remember, but it was, it's like, it brings you to another world. And then she has a new book coming out, A Woman of Intelligence. And I've already pre-ordered that book last year, With or Without You, which I loved. And I'm sure she's a full-time novelist. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure she has something wonderful coming out um, soon too. There's just so many great authors. Yeah, that's one of of my favorite U2 songs, With or Without You. Yeah. And you know what's so funny? The acronym for that is W-O-W-Y, Wowie. That's right. With or without you, the acronym is Wowie because she would send me emails and she would actually, so she um, and I had done some book tour events together and she would actually use that acronym for her book, With or Without You, Wowie. (laughs) Brilliant. That's great. So that moves me on nicely to the next question. That's okay. Thanks very much for all the recommends there. That's brilliant. Um, so would you have a favorite um, artist or band, uh, Carol, that, um, that you like? Would you have a favorite? Oh, it's so hard to say favorite. Um, yeah, well, what, what's your, you know, what a lot story? of times what happens is I think we get nostalgic for those bands we listen to in our more formative years. Yeah. So um, although I like a lot of music now, when I hear certain things like um, there's a band called Prodigy or (laughs) Meet Beat Manifesto, like that kind of era Mm. takes me back to a time. And there's nothing like that, that feeling of, you know, kind of going back Mm. to your youth. Mm. So yeah, pretty because I'm a DJ myself, so I love playing that when I'm out in the club. So, oh, okay. <laughs> well, not, obviously not now, <laughs> but uh, but um, no, it's really good. Oh, okay. Like, and it, all the '90s stuff is really gets people on the floor, you know. Exactly. Yeah. No, that, that was that's what will get me on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, but um, yes, yeah, yeah, that's great. Thanks. And um, do you have a favorite movie? Do you, what's your? Do you have favorite movies? What What, what would your all-out favorite movie be? <laughs> You know, no, no pressure, no it's pressure. It's hard to say exactly, but I do. I'm thinking of, there's one that's really clever where um, Jake Gyllenhaal has to go back in time over and over to replay the same moment to try to save, a, I think, a, a woman or a city from before a bomb explodes. I think it's called Inception, if oh, I'm yeah. remembering correctly. I just remember it, the cleverness with which it, 
built and you had one sense of reality. And I do, I, that might be a bit of a theme, this idea of you think reality is one thing, but it's actually another. And it's that same kind of feeling you get with the rug pull of matrix or, um, or even like when I was talking about Una out of order has that, you know, like you think one thing's reality, but it's actually something else. Mm. I think those are really clever. Yeah, that's Inception. It's a great film. I love that film. Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is in it, I think, isn't he? Oh, is it? Am yeah. I? So I'm thinking of the wrong one then. Oh, I'm maybe I'm wrong. A different one. No, maybe. No, Sorry. I think it's me that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th I think, no. Yeah, I know that's the Leonardo DiCaprio one. Maybe I'm thinking it's yeah, when they go into different dreams. They go into different dreams. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry, we got. I love that one. Yeah, it's Source pretty... Code is the Jake Gyllenhaal one. I think it's called Source Code, but I Source love Inception code. too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I must check that one out. Thanks very much. Yeah, that's great. And um, so, like, if you could live anywhere else than where you live in, like the States, would you, would you have any, any other place you'd like to live? Or? Well, my husband and I have traveled to some gorgeous places in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually do love Dublin. I brought my boys back there a few years after I, and they had a really good time there. But um, my husband and I have really loved when we traveled to the south of France. These are very cliche. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Provence. Yeah. I'd love um, to go. Yeah, I'd love to go there. Yeah. Around, um, you know, the south of Italy is beautiful. Mm. Um, mm. Bali is gorgeous. We lived in, because when we lived in China, we traveled around Asia a lot. And then I have a special place in my heart for Israel. It's a really beautiful mm. country and okay. so unusual. And I think it has desert, but it also has sea. It has mountains. It's gorgeous. And the people are really lovely when I visited. I haven't been there a long time, but um, it felt like a very, of course, spiritual place. Sounds very nice. Sounds very nice. I don't think I'll get the kids there, but... <laughs> 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 what are you up? That sounds lovely. That sounds really good. But you know, like I've got a teenager and a three-year-old and eleven-year-old, so they're like Disney World, Disney World, or <laughs> or, or Salou or <laughs> Malaga, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, that's that's great. Yeah, it's Israel got like when when hopefully like we can myself, my wife can can travel there at some point. It sounds nice. Sounds lovely. Yeah, yeah. But uh, listen, that's really good. Um, maybe just one final thing, if you don't mind, Carol. Um, if you could say anything to anybody. Um, motivational. Um, if you could just say I had a billboard and you could write out um, just something there for everybody to see, what would you write um, on it? Yeah. You know, the thing, and I speak at writers' conferences, and one thing that I share that I, authors tell me they find really helpful, um, perhaps what I would put on the billboard is find your inspiring purpose. Cool. And this is something I talk about with authors when I teach a class around author brand what is author brand and why it matters. I ask them the question of why they do what they do beyond the obvious profit or functional purposes. And I asked myself this question too, in my writing, because I have a full-time job and I have twins and I also, I volunteer on a board of directors. I'm trained as a climate reality leader. I have a lot of things going on in my life. So why, why write and what am I trying to do? And what do I, what am I trying to do with all this, you know, activity I have? And so for me, I articulated my inspiring purpose as um, by being my authentic self, I want to inspire hope and empathy for people and planet. And having that clarity of my personal why helps me therefore be able to choose what I do do and what I don't do. What am I gonna spend my time on? People you know, sometimes will offer me, they'll ask me to speak at this event or they'll ask me if I'll coach them or you know, a lot of opportunities come up. Mm. 
And I need a way to be able to choose um, what do I spend my finite time on? What's important enough and what's aligned enough with what I think my personal mission is to spend my time on. Yeah, that's really, really good. Thanks very much. <clears throat> that's an amazing answer. Very nice, very nice. Thank you. Um, because now just looking at your the name of the book and all that, I can kind of have movie in my mind. Like, would you, would, 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 is that kind of a thing you'd like um, to happen with the book um, in the future? Yeah, you know, a lot of readers tell me when I'm at book clubs or I'm at book events, people tell me that Goodbye Orchid is quite cinematic. Mm, they can picture like, the yeah. scenes, you know, it's really, they, they envision Phoenix and Orchid. It's set in Manhattan and it's set in New Jersey. Um, she also goes to China on her business trip. There's a portion in, in different parts on the East Coast in the U.S. And people can really envision it, really envision the characters. And they, they feel like they could see it on the screen. And mm -hmm. so I've had a lot of um, book clubs want to cast who are the characters going to be and mm -hmm. that they're, you know, fingers crossed, hoping for a movie someday. Yeah, the best local and the best local of all your future endeavors, like um, your next book and all that. Because, like, one last thing, I think it's great when you're reading a book, your imagination is so good, you know, to, like you're saying there, people can see it on the screen. Like, it's like anybody when reading a book, like, you, you can visualize it because it's so strong, isn't it? Your mind is so strong. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I wish you the best with your yeah. children's book, too. You'll have to yeah. let me know how I can support yeah. your launch, when, yeah. especially when things come out of lockdown. Thanks very much, Carl, and all the best to you and your family. You too, Mark. Anyone who's looking for me, um, please feel free to go to my website, carolvandenhenda.com. It's spelled C-A-R-O-L-V-A-N-D-E-N-H-E-N-D-E.com. Or maybe a very simple place to go is my link tree. So L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash C-V-D-H. So if you just go to linktree slash CVDH, that will actually bring you to a place that will um, give you links to Amazon, to Goodreads, to Twitter, to BookBub, to um, Instagram, to Facebook, to Pinterest, to YouTube, and all the places to bookshop, all the places to buy Goodbye Orchid, and all the places to connect with me on social media. So that's one really great um, shortcut. Yeah, that's really great, Carol. And uh, make sure you send me on the links to your books as well and all your information. I'll, I'll put them in the show notes, okay? Wonderful. So great speaking yeah. with you. You too. Take care. Thank you. Good night. Yeah, thanks a million again, Carl, for a great interview uh, where we discussed your book. Um, so check out, you got to check out her book. It sounds brilliant. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on a copy as well. So thanks again and all the best with your new book, new novel that you've, you're, you're, you're writing as well. So until next time, guys, thanks a million for checking out the podcast. And if you're really enjoying these episodes, you might just share the word and uh, like the podcast. Okay, till next time. Take care. Songful. Good night.